Hey, this is Jessica Rice, Communications Director at Renaissance Church, and I'm happy we're back with another episode of Real Love Conversations. This is a special edition of podcasts we're releasing over the next few weeks in conjunction with our Real Love Sermon Series. As we talk on Sundays about the things we need to see our relationships thrive, we're also taking time to hear about the relationship experiences of some of the special people who make up the Renaissance community. I've loved our first two conversations, and you guys seem to be here for it too. I've loved hearing about the different conversations happening in DNA groups and at brunch after church, all about these conversations. I think today's episode is important because while we as Christians generally believe that marriage is a lifelong commitment designed to reflect the lasting commitment and covenant Jesus created with us, we know that because we are flawed people living in a broken world, that not every marriage goes the distance. Now, the unfortunate thing is that oftentimes in churches, people shy away from talking about the things that feel a bit messy, and this often includes divorce. But divorce is a reality, and today we get to hear from Kelly as she reflects on her experiences of getting married at 22 and getting divorced seven years later. I feel like there's so much good stuff in here for someone who might be divorced, for someone who just broke up with someone they were dating, for the single person considering marriage, and for those of us who want to support our people who are divorced. So with all of that said, let's get into it. Here's Kelly. So we are here with Kelly. How are you? I'm good. I'm I am good. so glad that you're here. Uh, Kelly, I I think Jordan and I met you, I'm not sure when exactly. Was it 2016? 2016. 2016, yep. because you were a part of a small group, a community group that mm-hmm. we were leading and hosting in our apartment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember us getting to know you. And first it was Jordan who was like, yeah, you know, Kelly is a big deal in terms of her law career and all the things that she does at her firm. And I'm like, wow. And she makes time to come sit with us on a (laughs) weekly basis. That's amazing. And then uh, I learned all about your background and not just your law career, but your career before that. Mm -hmm. And then I learned about all of your traveling, Mm -hmm. all the places that you've been. And uh, you're just a very special person. So I'm excited that we're getting to sit down and talk. And then I remember it wasn't maybe until a couple years after that, maybe it's like 2018, where you and I finally get to connect one day after church Mm -hmm. and we go and get Ethiopian food. Yes. And it was delicious. It really was. It really was. And uh, we're talking and I'm learning more about you and you share that you're divorced. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what, girl, you're divorced? I didn't know. And it's funny because, you know, that's not the kind of thing that someone leads with. It's not like you would say, hey, my name's Kelly, I'm divorced. In the same way that, you know, many people know that I was married before and I'm widowed. I don't go around saying, hi, I'm Jessica and I'm widowed. (laughs) Uh, It can sometimes often be years before that enters the conversation and is relevant to the conversation. I was thinking about why it is such this big moment to learn something like that about a person. And I think what it is, is that for most of us, marriage is something that we think is going to last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And so when you meet somebody who maybe shares that they were divorced, that they are divorced, I think what it is, is that you maybe think, oh, this person had a picture of how their life might go. And that picture got interrupted. And Mm. whatever that might be, whatever kind of loss it is, life event it is, I think whenever you come into contact with someone and know something has happened in the course of their life that wasn't maybe how they thought things were going to go, we know that that had to have had some kind of impact on the person. It had to be formative in some kind of way. Um, And so I think that's part of what sets you kind of a back and says, Oh, really? I, I want to know more. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, we talked about that. And now that we're doing this real love conversations podcast, you were kind enough to agree to sit down and talk a little bit more about your experiences and uh, just your processing with God through all that you've been through. 
And I think this is a great conversation to have because I think divorce, particularly in the church, is something that people don't always know how to talk about. Mm -hmm. I think they don't always know how to talk about it in regular society, but particularly in the church. So I am excited to hear from you. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, of course. So I'm wondering, before we get into um, marriage details and relationship stuff, maybe you can share a little bit about your background. We talk a lot about family of origin and our childhoods and how they shape and form us and how it really gives us a window into who we are as people. Mm -hmm. So hoping that you could maybe share a little bit about where you're from and how you grew up. Sure. So I'm originally from Kansas City. Home of the Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Royals. A very super fan. proud, yes, super very fan. very proud super fan. And um, I have six brothers and sisters. I am the youngest of my mother's four. I am the oldest of my dad's four children, and so I'm the only child between them. So I was both the youngest child, the oldest child, the middle child, wow. and the only child yeah. because the one above me is. Uh, Gosh, how how much older? 11 years. And the one below me is like eight or nine years. Wow. And so very much have all the dynamics um, and, you know, grew up in a very dynamic uh, family structure. My mother and father got divorced when I was two. And they both, you know, have remarried and divorced again. And my dad recently, as we shared, just, just got married again after being single for, you know, since, since the 90s, really. He got married a couple of years ago. And so that's been exciting. Um, but yeah, grew up in Kansas City, went to college in Kansas City. Um, my mother is, uh, she's retired now, but she's a singer and a writer. And so when I was a little girl, about eight years old, she, I remember she sold all of her earthly belongings and picked up and moved to Istanbul and lived there for four years. Wow. So as a little girl, and that's part of where the travel comes from, as a little girl, when I was eight years old, I took my first international trip to Istanbul by myself. <laughs> they wow. stuck me on a plane. <laughs> and so I would go back and forth and visit her. Um, and, and when I wasn't, I would stay with my dad in Kansas City until she got home and I moved back with her. So yeah, so then, you know, went to college in Kansas City and then moved to DC for law school, had a year of law school in Paris and I've been in New York ever since. Wow. Yeah. Yes. What a journey. Okay. So growing up, what were your thoughts about relationships? Obviously, you mentioned that your parents divorced when you were pretty young at two. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you have any thoughts about relationships and marriage in particular? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I don't know that I had many formative thoughts about like specifically what marriage was supposed to be. I know I wanted to be married, um, but their relationship definitely didn't. I wasn't, uh, you know, traumatized by the thought of marriage because of their divorce. Mm-hmm. They had such a healthy and they still have a very healthy relationship. Like neither one of them ever spoke negative about the other. And so when I saw them, you know, they had like a almost like a brother sister dynamic, you know, fussing and carrying on and kidding with each other. And that's carried through, um, you know, to my adult ages. They're still the same way. And their they're significant others have always gotten along. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, and so I never had kind of like they set a really good example for me, you know, as I as I look back as to like how to act when you're divorced yeah. and how to like comport yourself. And so I look forward to being married. Um, you know, I grew up in the faith. And so... Uh, I definitely did not think I would be divorced, um, but I think, you know, God had already put the resources around me to deal with that when it did happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, let's fast forward. You are in Kansas City after college. Mm-hmm. Is that when you met your ex-husband? I met him in college. In college, I okay. I met him in college. Okay, mm-hmm. and how did you guys meet? We actually, he... He had become, I'd gone away to the capital of Missouri to do an internship. And when I came back, he had become friends with um, my cousin. And so I kind of got introduced to him that way. And he's a musician and he had started the gospel choir at the university. And so I was like, yep, I'm going to be a member, going to join. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <And> so <laughs> it was, 
you know, it was a, it was, there was a lot of um, shared interests, I would say. Yeah. You know, between music and, and just wanting to like do different things. And he loved to travel as well. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we met in college. I was a sophomore in college when we met. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so how long did you date before you got married? We dated for about a little over three years before we got married. So I was 19 and then got married at like 22-ish, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so then what was your relationship like? I know that you guys were leaders in your church. Is that right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, did you feel, I guess, any kind of added pressure being young superstars, married? No, no, we didn't feel like superstars. <laughs> he kind of was anyway, because he was an opera singer oh, or whatever, yeah. you know, so he was, you know, in his own right. But no, I mean, I th- I think, you know, especially growing up and kind of in those teenage college years in the church, there's this, you know, m- the church that we went to, you know, they taught courtship and like, you're only dating for the purpose of marriage. And so, at the end of the day, it was like, okay, well, we're still together. The natural next step is is marriage, you know. And so it, it was just kind of very natural for us to flow into that, having been together for so long and, you know, wanting to honor God in our relationship and, and things like that. Yeah. Okay. And so then how long do you feel like you were married before maybe there started to be a breakdown in your relationship? I would say, so we were married a total of seven years Mm -hmm. and the first five years we were in Kansas City and then, you know, there were definitely tensions there. You could tell there was like, you know, I knew there was like some unhappiness on on both sides, Mm -hmm. but nothing that ever kind of really got dealt with or came to, uh, it came to the forefront. Hmm. Then we made a decision that I would, so he was finishing his doctorate in Kansas City and had a year left. And we made a decision that I would go ahead and go ahead of him to DC to go to law school. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that that year that we um, were apart is, I wouldn't say it caused any issues, but it allowed the issues that were there to kind of, you know, float to the top yeah. and, you know, cause us to deal with them and address them. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what was that like for you? I mean, more than the details of what's happening in the relationship and how uh, you guys are dealing with each other, how are you feeling as you maybe are processing this relationship not working the way that you thought it would? Stressed. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot of stress because you know, anybody who knows anything kind of about you know, law school, I know Jordan does and everyone else. Right. But that first year is... you have to give it almost all of your focus. Mm -hmm. And so I had not left a lot of space to deal with, you know, a marriage breaking down and, and all of the issues surrounding that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, it felt heavy. It felt like a lot of pressure. Um, And, you know, I personally didn't manage it well, just, Mm. you know, I I did not balance my attention, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, do you feel like it was, I just, I have to do the law school thing and I will have time to manage it later? Or was it just too much to even manage? Yeah, I, I think know. it was like, look, let's get through this. Let me get through these, yeah. this first year. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I come home, we'll deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you get through the first year of law school, mm-hmm. um, but I guess there isn't a progression towards working things out in the relationship? Got through the first year of law school. And then, you know, there were conversations along the way. And then that summer, we made a decision to separate. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, the beginning of the end of end of the marriage, I Mm -hmm. would say. Mm -hmm. And so then after the divorce is finalized. Where are you in terms of your faith and processing who is God and who am I and all of these things? So it was a very long divorce process. And, you know, even once I would say during the divorce process, I became at peace with the fact that our marriage was going to end. 
but I was really struggling with the fact that I was getting divorced. And mm. so I don't know if that makes sense, like separating that mm. out. Like I, it, it took, and, and that's part of why it took a long time is mm. <laughs> like, I knew the marriage was ending and I had made peace with that. But the I- idea and the process of actually getting divorced took a lot for me to process mentally. Mm. And so once we were finally divorced, I was like, okay, there was a little bit of a relief. Like, mm-hmm. okay, that period is over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then you felt like you were still grappling with, oh, I am divorced? Then there was the whole identity piece. Yeah. Yeah, which like, and that's what's taken, I think, probably the longest to deal with. You know, you've got your heart issues, Mm -hmm. which like your heart will heal. Mm -hmm. But then like your mind is something that doesn't always, you don't always deal with your thought process about like who you are. Like I had been with him from 19 to basically 30. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, in all my... um, years where I was coming into whoever I was, I was a married woman. And so then to kind of re- to step back into life as an adult, now post-law school, as a single woman, that was challenging for me to deal with mentally and, and you know, even in Christian community. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. I yeah. mean, <laughs> what was your Christian community like at that stage of life? when I am stressed that I like, I, and I'm still growing in this area that I deal, I, I tend to retreat. Mm. And so I'm that person that kind of goes MIA and does not have a natural inclination to like reach out and connect with community. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, my closest friends and, you know, even family, it took me so long to even talk to them about this. Mm. Took me so long to even, you know, address it. Like most of them found out in random ways, mm. which was terrible of me to let that happen. But that's that's kind of where I was in that in that time, just mm-hmm. not wanting to deal with it, not wanting to talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I would isolate myself at least from that. <laughs> I remember I remember I was in law school. My my friends they still crack up and want to kill me over this. But like my girlfriends in law school, I remember like. I was getting to the point where I needed to like tell them what was going on. And I remember I pulled them aside. We all had this class together and I pulled them aside and uh, during a break in class. And I was like, Hey, I need to tell you guys something, but you have to promise not to ask me any follow up questions. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, so I'm, and they were like, you promise. And they were like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, so I'm getting divorced. And then I walk away. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just standing they're there. Standing there. <laughs> Holding Which the bag. Which is terrible. Yeah. And they can't say anything because they promised or whatever. But that's just kind of, that was how, that was my mindset. Yeah. And that's kind of what my body was doing and, you know, what my where my mind was and where my heart was. It was in a retreat stage. So going back to your question, I was in the process of like rebuilding kind of like my faith community and, um, you know, I was about to move to New York. And so I needed to, you know, find a community there. And so, yeah, I was I, I was a bit isolated, I would say. Yeah. And wow. So do you feel like avoiding people to talk about it? Was it the pain of the situation? Was it shame with identity stuff? If you could pinpoint maybe what you were trying to avoid most. I think, I think it was a number of things depending on, you know, where I was in the process. Mm -hmm. In the very beginning, it was definitely like, the pressure was too much, like just the whatever kind of like the mental mm-hmm. process I was going through, it was a lot. And I didn't feel like engaging. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where you can't, it's it's not like when you say I'm dating someone, they are like, oh, that's great. When you tell someone you're getting a divorce, it's that's a loaded comment yeah. that requires, you know, it's a heavy conversation each and every time. Right. You know, there's never a light way to really talk about it. And so I remember my dad came to visit one holiday and I was in D.C. and uh, he and I, my ex and I had decided to divorce. And I was trying to like get up the energy to tell my dad Yeah, the whole like weekend. And I never got it out. And he knew something like wasn't right. And then he also found out about it from someone else Yeah, and called me and was like, what is going on? Like, 
why didn't you tell me? You know, your mother and I are like the best people to talk to about this, yeah. you know, as far as having like experts to consult. Yeah. Then I think later on, so part of that was pressure. And then I think, um, you know, with other people, there's definitely like a, a element of shame to it where, you know, so in the church, he and I, we were, we frequently made it a point to bring together like other young Christian couples mm-hmm. to like support them in their marriage and like make sure there was like a community there where we could all talk about our issues. And then, you know, I move away and like, bam, there goes ours. And yeah. so it's like, you don't want to, you know, there's, there's shame to that. And you don't want to come and be like, well, ours wasn't doing too well. And mm. We didn't make it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. So, yeah, all these conversations, like, yeah, I just didn't want to have them. Yeah. Just really didn't want to have them. Then, um, then, yeah, then there's the whole identity piece that I didn't realize I was going to have to grapple with, you know, like being in community as a couple and then showing up as a single person you're like, wait a minute, like, what is, what is this? This is not what my experience has been all of these years. Who am I? Do I feel comfortable in this space? Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> I think that's so huge. I mean, I think that it's, it's huge and it's also a blind spot for a lot of people who haven't experienced it. I remember at the time when my late husband passed away, I had a really close guy friend who I'd known for years who went through a divorce around the same time. And I really remember how me losing a spouse in death, uh, people were able to rally around that, Mm -hmm. right? People were able to drop off food at my doorstep, call and check on me, text me all the time. It was very easy for people to rally and mm-hmm. say, what do you need? And how can I be there for you? And how can I pray for you? And I remember my friend, my guy friend, experiencing a real loss, very mm-hmm. similar to a death. And his grief was not the kind that people rally around. Yeah. <laughs> his grief was not the kind that people drop food off at your doorstep right. for, you know? Right. But yet he's experiencing like real pain, a real huge adjustment in terms of I used to go places and it was me and this person mm-hmm. and now I'm walking in alone. Mm-hmm. And that can be especially true like at church or at a social function. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I I saw that firsthand and yeah. and realized like this is something that I think just a lot of people are not aware of in terms of what a person who goes through a divorce is experiencing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you maybe had some space to process a bit more and maybe after sharing with different people, maybe it got a little bit easier to do more of that. But were there things that people around you did or said that made them safe spaces for you to kind of process or share what you were going through. I mm. mean, you shared the the story of your dad kind of being like, you should be able to talk to me and I'm here for of you. Yeah, of all exactly. people. And that's great. Were there others? Were there friends? Were there girlfriends? Uh, was there a faith community who did anything that was particularly helpful? I think initially I was grateful to people who gave me my space Mm -hmm. and waited for me to like open up that door Mm -hmm. and come to them. I would say, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I guess similar to, you know, with, you know, the loss of life, people often just don't know what to say. Um, And I was okay with them just saying nothing until I opened up that door. Like we all know what's gone on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, my closest friends that were finding out, they would text me and just be like, hey, I'm here if you want to talk. And that was sufficient for me. But it, I, and so I appreciated those who tried to, um, you know, make a comfortable space for me to be in whatever I was going through at that time. But I think at the end of the day, I had to decide like, okay, I'm coming out of the shell. This is my story. And once I was ready to reconnect, um, re-engage the people who were supposed to be there, they were there. Yeah. And so, you know, part of it was me just deciding, okay, I'm going to stop retreating and re-enter and, you know, live in this truth, (laughs) all of what it is, the good, the bad, the ugly, and be who I am. And those that needed to be there, they showed up and they were there. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, knowing you in the <laughs> past few years that I've known you, you strike me as such a confident person. And so, <laughs> and that's what everyone would say, knowing you, I think. Uh, but I wonder, what role does your faith play in that confidence or being able to kind of say, this is who I am, then this is all of me, and this is my story, this is my truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what role does your faith play in that? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. You know, my mother, you know, she's always told me as a little girl, remember whose you are. Mm. Remember whose you are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, never in that process did I doubt who God was. Mm. But it was more of like, am I now out from under the covering? Mm. Because I've drifted from what maybe was his best plan for me. Mm. And so knowing that I could knowing that he was always there for me to go back to, no matter what I was doing, who I was, and then gave me the confidence to be like, oh, hey, God, here I am. I know you still love me. Here's all of me. (laughs) I'm going to show up in this world exactly, you know, created in your image and beautifully and wonderfully made, you know, Mm -hmm. all of these things. And so at some point, you know, he's given us this life to live. Um, He's given us these experience that we ha- these experiences that we have. He's allowed us to have these experiences, whether or not this is what we thought we would have or not. Whether yeah. you know, you know, I value. I, I I can now see the benefit. Like there is a certain line of sight that I have after being in this relationship, getting married, and getting divorced that I can take with me into new experiences mm-hmm. that I would not have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. And again, no one chooses that. No one goes into it choosing it. But I can definitely like see the benefit and, uh, you know, see how God has been able to use me, use my story, use my experiences to either help someone else or, you know, like my life would have looked completely different if I was still a married woman right now. And I wouldn't say either life is superior to the other, but I'm grateful for the one I have. And so after a point, you know, you get over, you decide, I think it's somewhat you have to decide. You want to get over whatever is kind of mentally holding you back and you know, you don't want to not show up places because you're used to showing up as a couple and now you're single. You still want to live life. You don't want to um, try to hide part of your story because of whatever shame you may be, um, you know, you had to work through. I, I want to show up. I want to mm-hmm. live. I want to live the best life that he has for me. And that means embracing all of the experiences that I've had. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I think I think it's so true that so many times things in our lives happen, whether it was out of our control, whether it's based on decisions that we made and this whole idea that nothing is wasted, you know, when we, when we particularly bring it to God, like he can just make beautiful things from whatever the mess might be or the brokenness or the disappointments or the story not going the way that we thought it would. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it does require kind of showing up, I think, and being open Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. what God can do and trusting and knowing that if I still have this breath in my lungs, God, you must want me to do something. You must want me to to glorify you. So I'm going to try my best with all that I am and know that even the parts of me that maybe I don't love, um, or our weaknesses or wounds or damages, as we talked about at Renaissance, God, you can step into those spaces and do your best work yeah. in that space. Right? <laughs> really can. Like, I'm not disqualified based upon my experiences. What he wants to do with me, he'll do with me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, at some point you decide you're going to show up and you work through it while you're showing up. Mm-hmm. I love that. So uh, you talked about the things that have happened and the things that you've learned, but if you could name maybe a couple of the greatest lessons that you've taken away from your experiences, one or two things, what would that be? How much time do we have? (laughs) You said one or two things. Um, I would say I've learned enough about myself and who I am and my personality that I now know what to look for when it comes to different kinds of relationships. At the time I got married, you know, we went through, you know, a couple of sessions of marriage counseling. And in my mind, I was thinking to myself, like, or we had, you know, both discussed, like, you know, oh, where are your weak? I'll be strong. 
Mm. Where I'm weak, you'll be strong. And and that's just the way, you know. We'll get through it. That's just the way we'll get through it. (laughs) When I think the analysis is a little bit more sophisticated than that when you're choosing a life partner. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I I appreciate having that perspective now. Um, Yeah, I think the better... The better way to approach it is you're weak and I should accept that you will probably always be weak in this area. <laughs> That's more of what marriage is. It's right. not kind of like, oh, you're weak here, but I'll fill in all the gaps. Exactly. Because, exactly. you know, exactly. into it, you're going to be like, I don't want to fill in the gaps right. or whatever. Or right. I thought that you were going to, I said that, but I actually thought you were going to change this thing about right. you. <laughs> not actually happening so exactly exactly mm-hmm. and yeah and I think he had the same mindset about me and it's like mm-hmm. yeah this is this probably isn't the way we should be approaching like this lifelong decision um so so I say that to say I've learned I I appreciate being an adult and like a whole adult yeah and uh navigating relationships now because I just have a better idea of like you know, what partnership requires, yeah. what real partnership requires. And it sounds like you have a better understanding of yourself. And that's, and that's it, right? Like I, it's, that's exactly it. I have a better understanding of myself and what I'm able to bring to the table as well. And what I will probably not be, bring, be bringing to the table. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, we talk so much about that, that self-awareness. And I've said to some people, I think that oftentimes we, people will date and date different people. And it's kind of all about, well, let me figure out if I like this. And is this what I want in a partner? And let me date a person like this. Is that what I want in a partner? Let me date this person over here. Maybe a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. But really, starting at home Mm -hmm. and knowing ourselves Mm -hmm. is what is going to get you (laughs) to that place where you meet that first person and you say, you're not it. (laughs) I know myself I and know I know myself you're enough. not. I know myself enough. <laughs> or know. I know myself and you are it. Right. And I just know that because right. I know myself really well. Right. Not because I've felt out all of your qualities and say like, oh, yeah, that's a winner right there. Exactly. Um, but it really does exactly. kind of start at home. Uh, so I would say one of the things that I wish we had done and one of my friends is doing this now and I'm like, oh, that actually would have been really helpful. So once we decided to get divorced – I wish we would have both done therapy Mm. and not to save the marriage, but to like navigate the divorce and make sure um, and and get a third party to help you say everything that needs to be said. Wow. Because I think a lot of the way relationships end, they're not necessarily clean breaks. There are things that are said that should probably have never been said and things that are that remain unsaid mm-hmm. which I think ends up being the source of a lot of trauma that people then take forward with them as they're navigating their singleness they're dating their new relationships and and I know that takes being in a certain space like not everybody is able to like do that mm-hmm. um, but if you are <laughs> something I would highly recommend I think being able to sit down and work through those things so that when you do separate you know you're able to you have an awareness of what you're taking with you and you're able to manage it and do your own healing or start your own separate therapy and take what you need to take to God and talk to community and friends and everything like that. And so, you know, for us, for me, it ended. And then I just moved forward trying to live life Mm -hmm. and didn't deal with the things that were left unsaid. I mean, even I would say we had one of our most helpful conversations three years after the divorce when we were able to sit down and really kind of like talk through some things and, you know, share what we were dealing with at the time and our mindset and and things like that, that we just weren't able to have at that period. Yeah. And so, you know, therapy, helping to facilitate a healthy break, I think would be seriously beneficial. Yeah. Wow. That's profound. Something I never thought about at the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Is there... Anything you'd say you know about God now that you didn't know back then? Hmm. I don't know that I would say there's been a knowledge difference, but I would say that there's been an experience difference. You know, I've, I've experienced God in different ways now that I never, you know, needed to experience him back then. Yeah. Um, whether it's, you know, I remember, you know, when I first got divorced, I was very much like enjoying like the single life and like, you know, I could appreciate being unattached while having different experiences. 
And then you go through like, okay, now I'm going through a pretty lonely period. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, you know, there's a loneliness that I've, you know, experienced at different parts over the last, you know, I guess eight years now that I never had to walk through mm. when I was in this relationship. And so, yeah, like God meeting me in all of these different places and him, you know, showing up and comforting me or uh, reassuring me or telling me no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, about, you know, different situations or, yeah, I've had to, I've had to experience him in different ways that I think I've, that I took for granted. Hmm. You know, I, I never had a prayer about loneliness before. I never had, um, you know, put my future in his hands and kind of leave it. Yeah. You know, there was like a path that I was on that I had, you know, in large part, I was in control of that path. Yes. And, you know, now, you know, from a relationship perspective, it really is in his hands. Yes. <laughs> well, that's the interesting thing too. I mean, I, I resonate with that deeply having been married and very much feeling like, oh, my life is on a path mm -hmm. because I have this partner and there's a mm -hmm. lot of hopes and dreams kind of wrapped up in this relationship mm -hmm. and what we're going to do as a unit and the family that we're going to have. Mm -hmm. And when that all fell apart, uh, man, to, to first of all realize, oh, I wasn't actually in control as much as I thought I yeah. was, yeah. right? That was yeah. an illusion. Right. Um, but Yes, to to realize that, oh, maybe there's a bit of a flaw in that, that being in this relationship seals the deal and like sets me on a path mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. anything could happen. Mm -hmm. Even if I stay in that relationship, what happens to my partner, what happens to me yeah. is a huge mystery. Right. And uh, man, <laughs> I have to be ready for all of that. Yeah. 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 Um, but certainly it's. It's something I think that you're more aware of in singleness uh, mm -hmm. where you don't know necessarily is somebody going to enter the picture mm -hmm. tomorrow in five years and mm -hmm. 10 years. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. um, it's true that when you're in relationship, you do tend to say like, oh, well, let's plan together for the next year. Yeah, you exactly. Know? <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. You know, it's all and all the planning is centered around like you being in this unit and you deciding whether you're going to have family and where you're going to move to together and what you're going to do. And you're going to be this power couple doing X, Y, Z. And then you're like, wait, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All of that. There's an innocence almost. Yes. That you're experiencing. And then you're like, okay, that's, that's yes. not the way life goes all the time. Yes. And in some ways, I think in coupledom, it's required, right? You're yeah. in a space with somebody. So you have to kind of say, right. well, what are you trying to do? Right. And what am I trying to do? Because we, I mean, if we're going to keep this going, we have to communicate and make those plans and right. express those hopes and those those wishes. But um, man, that's so, so good, everything that you said. So I want to ask about Christian community a bit more mm -hmm. and you being at Renaissance mm -hmm. even. And how do you feel being in our Christian community at Renaissance as a person who's divorced? I mean, there are other divorced people in our congregation, but we have a fairly younger mm -hmm. uh, population. So there's a lot of unmarried people. Uh, and then there's a lot of married folks. And uh, how do you feel as a divorced person at Renaissance? Do you feel seen? Do you feel like there's ways that our community could do better at serving and caring for people who are divorced? Hmm. I've always thought it was, you know, interesting when you have to fill out like certain boxes and you're like single, married, divorced. And I always looked at the divorce box and I was like, like, why is this here? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, does it like, you know, what, you know, what does it matter whether I was like married once or I'm just single now? Either way, you mm -hmm. know, like, I guess I'm unattached. And so I think part of that, I've, I've always thought that was weird, you know, on, you know, in like on work boxes or whatever, whatever you're checking. Mm -hmm. In part, because I don't know that I've identify as like, when I think of myself, like I am a divorced person. Right. I think of myself as like a single person. Right. Um, you know, who, is fortunate to have had a marriage experience almost. Um, now, I mean, I truly see it as like a benefit now. Mm. Um, but being at Renaissance, I feel loved. <laughs> you know, I just feel loved in general. Um, 
I'm probably hyper aware of my marital status where other people see me as Kelly, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of me deciding, like, you know, that's when you have to like walk in, you have to walk into the space and just decide you're going to be who you are and embrace, you know, the community that you have. I mean, I'd say, you know, some of the people I'm closest to at Renaissance are like the single people now, whereas when I was at my church in Kansas City, I was closest to the married couples. Mm -hmm. And so just really, you know, not trying to fight who you are or (laughs) embracing who God brings into your community, whomever Mm -hmm. that may look like, married, single, divorced, people in relationships, I think is where the beauty really is. Um, And I'm glad that I'm able to bring my perspective to my community and share my own experiences. Like I'm, I'm grateful as, as, as much as I was like, just, I actually want to do this podcast. Like I'm, I'm grateful to be able to like share if that's some of the value that I can add to, um, you know, other people's experiences and, and, and be able to share with them what's on the other side. You know, I, I know a lot of people that are praying for, um, you know, partners and, and spouses. And, you know, one of the things that I hope I've been able to share with people is that, you know, just wait on God, like wait on, like don't get ahead mm. of the process, you know, don't force it, don't force it because, you know, the uncoupling mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, being in a relationship that you don't feel you should be in or the uncoupling process will be much more painful than the single um, experience and the loneliness you might be experiencing now. And so that's, that's one of the perspectives, um, that I'm able to share. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. (laughs) That I'm able to share now. It's, you know, it's, and, and then to take advantage, like, you know, taking advantage of like that single period, you know, I remember being married and, you know, being jealous of some of my single friends in different instances. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side, you sure. know, for, for most people. And so just being, you know, having gone through all of it, I hope that's part of what I can bring to my family at Renaissance. And I, in turn, um, you know, love who God has brought in my, who's brought in my own circle and, and, and made part of my new community. And so, yeah, in answer to how I feel about Renaissance, I definitely feel loved. That's great. And accepted. Yeah. We do love you. That's amazing. Uh, And I love what you said just about embracing the season that you find yourself in. Mm -hmm. I think that too often marriage is propped up as this ultimate, this ultimate place of fulfillment and parenting parenthood I think is giving marriage a run for its money at Mm -hmm. this point that Mm -hmm. like that's the ultimate place of fulfillment like your kids are who make you alive and amazing and all the things um and the fact is that every relationship status brings with it its own set of limitations right (laughs) and so you have to acknowledge those limitations know that they're there but yeah they're the grass is always greener Mm -hmm. on the other side. And so uh, it doesn't mean that we don't feel maybe uh, a longing for some other kind of status. Right, right, right. (laughs) But to the extent that we're able to enjoy what we have, limits, gifts, all the things, uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. I'm curious, have you ever told someone you were divorced and had just a crazy response that you were like, that's not helpful? Is this where I get into dating stories like post divorce? Oh my Come gosh, on I have it. so many. Let's hear it. Um. That's the best stuff. <laughs> we could compare stories like the post divorced and the post widowed dating yeah. stories, and I'm sure both are equally awkward and terrible. <laughs> so, I I have some like legendary ones that I could. I mean. Should I write a little pamphlet? I don't know if I have a book worth, if it's book worthy, but maybe a good hefty pamphlet. I can really <laughs> tell some stories. First, l- let me say this. What I will say is for anyone who has been coupled for a long time and now they're uncoupled, you make sure you let your friends mentor you through the dating period. <laughs> because reentering the dating pool at age 30 after 
not being in it at, since 19, I was a hot mess, mm-hmm. complete hot mess. Mm-hmm. Talk about not knowing the rules. And now we were in like the online dating age. Well, yeah, that's the other part is the social media, <laughs> online dating. It's a whole new world. <laughs> Even my dad looked at me at one point and was like, Lord, have mercy. Like, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. Let's talk about needing community. But okay, but to your question, have I ever had, I, I did go out on a date with this guy who, it was a first date. And I remember within, and, and this had not like my former marital status had never come up. And I remember within the first 30 minutes, he was like, oh, so, you know, I did some research on you and you're divorced, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. What? Like, you're not going to get me. <laughs> I found out about you. That is so crazy. I was like, okay. And I think he meant it in a, I think he was trying to show that like he had shown interest and like found out because it was, it was a super considerate date, but I was like, wow, like that's what we're leading with. Wow. I know. But does that reinforce this whole idea that divorce is just so taboo? Like I found out this thing about you. Yeah, I think so. It's so, and, and again, it's, it's such a loaded topic, right? right? There's always a story, like no matter like how long you were married or how long you've been divorced, there's always a story to it. And so people are, they're either fascinated or, Mm. you know, they're, um, nosy, nosy, or, (laughs) you know, they're like, oh, is that, do I want a divorced person? Do I want to Mm. date a, you know, whatever ideas or impressions they have of you because you've been married and divorced, Mm -hmm. you know, they're carrying that with them too. And so, yeah, it's, it's really ever just like a casual thing that comes up. Yes, (laughs) But I would say that was the weirdest probably experience, experience that I've ever had kind of at least to my face. Yes. You know, confronting me with my truth. (laughs) That is so funny. Well, how do you, how do you approach it in dating? Do you typically have a set amount of time where you're like, I think I'll bring this up by this point. Or if things are going in this direction, this is the moment where I will share this about myself. Do you have a rule about that? Nope, I don't have a rule at all. It's just when it feels when like. It, yeah, when it comes up naturally in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't identify. Like mm-hmm. when I think about who I am, mm-hmm. I'm so much more than like my marital status. Yeah. You know, and that's part of, I think, what I had to accept like post-divorce is that, you know, like, like Kelly, you weren't just, you know, his wife. <laughs> yeah. Like you were Kelly, you're a child of God, you were all these things and that's what you need to embrace. And so, um, and again, that was the part that was shocking to me. So now, you know, uh, no, I, whenever it's natural, if it, if it's natural in, in the first 10 minutes, because of whatever we're talking about, I talk, you know, I'll bring it up. So not something I hide, not something I'm ashamed of. Um, you know, if that runs somebody away, you know, that's, that's not my problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you Amen. know, so no, I have no, I have no rule. I have no rule about it. My truth is my truth and I embrace all of it at this point. Yeah. I would say in the beginning, I definitely was like, oh, I wonder how this person is going to, you know, respond to that. I wonder if, you know, this is going to be a deal breaker for them. And now it's, it's not my, it's not my problem. Yeah. You know, I, I've got to show up who I am. That's not something that's going to change. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would guess that people would probably be more squeamish about the person who tried to hide that part of themselves (laughs) or like seemed ashamed of that part of themselves uh, and interpret that as baggage that they might not want to enter into as opposed to the person who's like, I'm ready to talk about this. And yeah, and this is a part of who I am. And yeah. I, I believe even, you know, the awesome person that I am today right. is because I had these formative experiences. Did you see so. how great I am? Right. This is why. Come on now. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's the Kelly I know right there. That's her. That's why you're my mentor. <laughs> uh, do you have any final thoughts for the person who might be listening who is divorced and is maybe struggling with their identity as a divorced person uh, or looking for hope in terms of what lies ahead for them, what would you say to that person? For the person who's recently divorced, I will say you will heal and you will appreciate your perspective and you will appreciate the person uh, that you are now uh, and that you will be in this new phase 
you need to do the work, do the work, therapy, prayer, talking things out, healing, because it's a, it's a trauma. No matter what, it's a trauma. But there is, there is hope on the other side if you, if you embrace that part. Um, for the person that might be struggling with like their identity, you know, newly single, newly, newly divorced, feeling maybe the stigma of a failed relationship, feeling lost, keep showing up, keep showing up, keep, you know, embrace the new experiences, keep showing up in the room and, and participate and take those trips that you thought you were going to take with your significant other and pursue that dream that you thought you were going to pursue and don't retreat from your community because um, your community will reinforce you and hold up your arms when you're feeling They'll, they'll, your your community will hold up a mirror to you <laughs> and remind you who you are. Um, you know, that's the thing. As, as much as I identified as a married woman, you know, my my friends saw so much more. My family sees so much more. They see all of me as opposed to just that marital status. And so, you know, when you need a reminder, that's what your community is for. Find a community that will remind you. And I would say that one of my prayers for anybody who was uh, going through a divorce, newly divorced, living in their divorce state and their singleness is, you know, is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then my favorite part, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. I pray that the peace of God will you will allow the peace of God to guard your heart and your mind mm. as you navigate this space. That's beautiful. Amen. Amen. But yeah, I it, it's painful no matter what, no matter the circumstance, no matter who initiated, no matter how it ends. It's going to be a painful experience. But there can be so much goodness and fun on the other side of it. Um, look for it. Look for the good. Mm. Look for the fun. Look for... Um, like take it, take advantage of your status. Take advantage of what you can do right now uh, that you couldn't do before, and just embrace all of those new experiences. That's great. Well, I appreciate you sharing so honestly and so graciously, and hopefully, it wasn't too bad. And I'm not traumatized yet. Okay, I thought, I thought maybe maybe I would be. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that we avoided more trauma. So that's a wonderful thing. That's I'll take that as a win. <laughs> Kelly, like, we just, love you. What did you sign me up for? I had three songs prepared just in case the, the, the questions got too hard. I had a whole set list. Y'all, we were going to have praise and worship on the podcast as I avoided all the questions. Hey, it's Jessica back again. I do not take it lightly that Kelly would share so honestly about a really tough period in her life. I so appreciated what she had to say about identity and finding our identity outside of a relationship status. I also hope you were encouraged by how she hasn't ignored the hard things, but she's chosen to keep showing up because as she said, she belongs to God and is loved by him. And isn't that true for all of us? We'll be back here next Wednesday with another great episode of Real Love Conversations. In the meantime, don't forget to share this with a friend who might be helped by listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.